Welcome to Managed Care Cast, a podcast from the American Journal of Managed Care. My name is Maggie Shaw, editor for the American Journal of Managed Care. CMS first implemented the Comprehensive Primary Care Plus or CPC Plus initiative in January 2017. The medical home model is a large-scale redesign effort meant to improve primary care through payer reform and care delivery transformation. However, an interim data analysis of the initiative's first three years among Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries did not demonstrate improvements in either care continuity or care fragmentation. On this episode of Managed CareCast, we speak with Dr. Lori Timmons, Senior Researcher, and Dr. Eugene Rich, Senior Fellow, both of Mathematica. With their fellow authors, Carol Arado, Researcher at Mathematica, Dr. Lisa M. Kern, Associate Professor of Medicine at Weill Cornell Medicine in New York, and Dr. Arkadeep Dagosh, Principal Researcher at Mathematica, they published their study, Primary Care Redesign and Care Fragmentation Among Medicare Beneficiaries in the March issue of the American Journal of Managed Care. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Timmons and Dr. Rich. Can you please introduce yourselves and tell us about your work? Sure, I could go first. Um, So I'm Lori Timmons. I'm a senior researcher at Mathematica, and my work focuses on evaluating public policy programs using rigorous quantitative methods. I've worked on numerous innovative health models at my time in Mathematica. These days, a lot of them are large-scale primary care models um, that CMS has developed with the goal of improving quality of care and restraining costs. Hi, and I'm Gene Rich. I'm a general internist physician and um, health services researcher. I've been a senior fellow at Mathematica for about 11 years, Um, coming from a long academic career uh, where I was interested in how the um, practice setting uh, delivery system and uh, policy environment contribute to variations in physician care. And within that, I've always been particularly interested in primary care and the policies necessary to improve primary care in the United States. And at Mathematica, I've worked on a wide variety of projects looking at variations in clinician practice, including alternative payment models like um, the CPC Plus initiative that was the basis for our work um, in this paper. Can you tell us about the Comprehensive Primary Care Plus initiative and why you decided to take up your study? The Comprehensive uh, Primary Care Plus initiative, so CPC Plus, uh, it's the largest and most ambitious primary care payment and delivery reform model ever tested in the United States to date. It was launched by CMS in um, early 2017 in collaboration with 79 different private and public payers. And, you know, the goal of CPC Plus was to test a new approach to payment for and the delivery of primary care in over 3,000 diverse primary care practices across the United States with the goal of improving quality and reducing costs. So how does CPC Plus do this? Um, CPC Plus has two tracks of practices. And they support practices in both tracks with 
actionable data feedback. So giving um, them data, the practices uh, that they can act on, robust learning activities, supports for health information technology, uh, vendor supports, and then importantly, enhanced payments. So uh, primary care practices in the model received a median boost of 10 or 15% of their annual practice revenue, uh, depending on the track. Um, I said there were two practices, uh, two, two types of practices, two tracks. Track two practices receive additional financial support, uh, and they have more of a shift from fee-for-service toward population-based payment. Um, and they also provide more enhanced care delivery approaches to support patients with complex needs. The model is a five-year model, so it started in early 2017, and uh, we are in the last year of the model right now. In terms of why we studied, uh, why we did this study on uh, continuity of care and fragmentation and looking to see if CPC plus, you know, if there's evidence that CPC plus improved these two measures. Um, one important primary care function of the model, so there are five different uh, care delivery functions. One of these functions is access and continuity of care. In particular, CPC Plus requires practices to have at least 70, uh, sorry, at least 95% of their patients impaneled to a practitioner or a care team um, at the practice, and also to measure continuity of care for these impaneled patients. So in our study, we examine continuity of care. We look to see if there's evidence CPC Plus improved continuity of, of care using Medicare fee-for-service claims data. And by continuity of care, we're talking about you know, recurrent visits with the same individual practitioner over time. And in addition to that, we also studied fragmentation of care in our study. And that's important um, because two patients can have, you know, the same continuity of care. For example, they can have 50% of their care uh, with the most frequent provider, but they could have different measures of fragmentation of care. So fragmentation is the inverse of continuity of care where it looks at the spread across different providers. Um, so for example, two patients that have 50% of their visits with the same most frequently seen provider, they can have different fragmentation of care. That remaining 50% with other practitioners could be spread, for example, for one beneficiary across four different uh, providers versus the other beneficiary with two. Um, so the beneficiary seeing more providers would have more fragmented care. So I think it's really important to look at those two dimensions in our study. Why is care continuity so important in primary care, particularly for Medicare beneficiaries? Continuity with a personal primary care clinician has long been a defining feature of primary care. In fact, there wasn't really a term for primary care prior to the 1960s because in most industrialized countries, including the United States, there were general practitioners who were people's primary care physicians. And most patients had, when they said they were going to the doctor, they meant their general practice doctor who they had a continuing relationship with. Uh, so in the 1960s, as uh, general practice, uh, with the rise of various specialties, general practice in decline, uh, there were various efforts to try to define, well, what was it we were losing? Um, and, uh, and so the term primary care was coined. And in terms of identifying, well, what is it that we're losing that we want to keep? 
one of those key features was continu continuity with a personal uh, clinician. And since that time, there's been extensive evidence um, uh, developed uh, regarding the benefits of having a continuing relationship with a personal primary care clinician, including even randomized controlled trial in the 1980s. Uh, obviously, as individuals age, they tend to uh, you know, accumulate more health conditions, they require more medications, um, and um, uh, they have more symptoms that, that, that uh, they're concerned about. And so it makes sense that if continuity with a primary care clinician is important for anyone, it would be particularly important for individuals as they age, i.e. Medicare beneficiaries. What were the principal findings of your investigation? Was there anything unexpected? So to put our, to give a little bit of background about what we did in our study, um, we looked at the changes over time in continuity and fragmentation of care for Medicare beneficiaries uh, in CPC plus practices. And then we compared those measures to beneficiaries in comparison practices and comparison practices were selected based on how similar they were on observable characteristics in terms of, you know, the practice types, um, the practitioners, the beneficiary characteristics. And we looked at these measures of continuing fragmentation in the period before CPC plus started. And we looked through the first three program years of CPC plus for both CPC plus practices and comparison practices. And we focused on beneficiaries who had highly fragmented care in the baseline period because we thought these were the ones who were most likely to have changed um, in response to CPC+. So three key findings from our study. Uh, the first one is that we found that a high proportion of Medicare beneficiaries were designated as having highly fragmented care in the baseline period. So to put in context, these beneficiaries in a given year they had an average of 13 ambulatory visits across seven different practitioners. So a lot of visits and a lot of different practitioners. The most frequently seen provider for these uh, beneficiaries accounted for only on average 28% of visits. So we see that you know, those that we designated as having highly fragmented care, which was about 40% of the Medicare population in our study, um, had a lot of uh, fragmented care. The second key finding that we had was that visits to specialists drove the patterns of care for these beneficiaries with highly fragmented care. So out of those 13 ambulatory visits across seven different practitioners on average, eight of those visits were to specialists and they saw on average five different specialists in the year. In contrast, they only saw uh, two different primary care practitioners on average, and they had three visits to those two primary care practitioners. So that was, uh, to me, unexpected uh, to see the degree of fragmentation in this population, and really that specialists were driving this pattern. And the third key finding from our study was that we did not find evidence that CPC plus, the CPC plus model improved continuity of care or fragmentation of care for beneficiaries who in the baseline period had highly fragmented care relative to those same type of beneficiaries in comparison pra practices over the first three program years. So we found that at the end of the third program year, beneficiaries with highly fragmented care at baseline 
they continued to seek care from practitioners, from many different practitioners who delivered small proportions of their ambulatory visits, um, and in particular to the specialist providers. So those were the three, um, you know, key takeaways for me, you know, seeing the degree of fragmentation and how much visits to specialists drove that um, was perhaps a bit unexpected. In terms of CPC plus, our finding that, you know, we don't have strong evidence um, that it improved these measures. Just putting in context, you know, there's a long history in this country of underinvesting in primary care infrastructure. So it would be a tremendous task with the CPC plus model you know, for primary care pr practitioners to rein in fragmentation, in particular for those patients who see numerous specialists, um, which, you know, um, it, it would be a long uh, task, if you will. Particularly for those uh, patients who are uh, seeing um, multiple different specialists um, uh, to get uh, primary care physicians involved directly and actively managing that is a substantial task. And, um, and, and if you're at a starting point place where the practices have very limited resources to do their basic job, uh, that might be one task too many for the practice to be able to undertake effectively. Why did you choose to focus on visits to individual practitioners versus practices as a whole? The first and, and simplest explanation is that some of these practices were quite small with, you know, maybe uh, two practitioners or only one in some cases, but some were larger with uh, multiple uh, primary care practitioners. Um, and uh, so, you know, to, to act like, you know, however many visits there were to however many uh, practitioners in the practice, it was the same. Um, you know, would, would have been an incorrect assumption because the, the numbers of people involved was quite, were quite different. The evidence that I mentioned earlier regarding the benefits of continuity of care with the primary care practitioner have traditionally focused on interpersonal continuity, that is continuity between a specific PCP and the patient. Um, uh, so um, it's sort of less clear um, you know, whether uh, continuity with a team of practitioners is as effective as continuity that's interpersonal. Now, we know that in 2022, team-based care is very important to effective primary care. Uh, uh, obviously, you don't need a, a general internal medicine physician like myself to inject your, um, your flu shot. <laughs> uh, it can certainly be one of my colleagues that provides that service at our practice. And there are a variety of other kinds of, uh, of services like that in modern primary care that don't require the um, primary care practitioner to do that service. But uh, when we're talking about visits that are uh, where you're trying to diagnose and possibly treat a chronic or new problem, um, you know, and we were counting visits in this case, um, you know, the question is how do you actually make sure you've handed off all the information that one practitioner got to the, to the actual uh, PCP for the patient if you're doing this form of team-based visits? So we decided to focus on what's been the traditional um, 
uh, orientation of continuity, interpersonal continuity. Um, and I'll just mention, and this is cited in the paper, even in some cases, even a single handoff of patient responsibility from one practitioner to another can demonstrably reduce the quality or efficiency of care. So we know that sometimes these handoffs can be important and how to do them well inside a practice site is, is still uh, a, a topic of active research. How does the CPC plus model improve upon the comprehensive primary care model? As uh, CMS has described uh, the CPC plus model, they would say that it builds on the learning from uh, the original uh, primary care, uh, comprehensive primary care initiative. And one of those learnings was that in the United States, primary care practices serving Medicare beneficiaries have very different starting places for how they're doing their primary care functions. As we mentioned, there's considerable evidence that there's been a longstanding underinvestment of primary care in the United States, and therefore practices struggle with some of these more you know, challenging dimensions of high quality primary care. And, and they struggle in different ways in, in different practices. So uh, CPC Plus um, uh, used um, a, a couple of different approaches to try to take the practices where they were ready to start and move them along the, the uh, continuum of becoming a more advanced primary care practice. And th these um, uh, approaches included both practice requirements on the, along these different dimensions that my colleague, Dr. Timmons already mentioned. And these practice requirements differed depending on the track that you were chose to participate in for CPC uh, plus. And then the payment model for the practices also varied uh, according to track. Even the basic payment model had um, some more um, generous investments in the sort of per, per patient per month payment than in the original uh, CPC plus model. Uh, but then in track two, um, a, a much larger amount of the uh, Medicare revenue for care for primary care patients came from a per patient payment. And then the, the fee for service payments were actually um, reduced so that while the practices still received some payment for, for doing visits, more of their revenue was focused on per patient payments, and therefore they had more upfront money to make those uh, big investments in, in redesigning primary care. Your findings contrast research published in 2020 on the CPC Plus model. What are likely reasons for your disparate outcomes? because you didn't find evidence that CPC plus improved fragmentation of care, continuity versus secular trends, what do you anticipate for the future of the CPC plus model? Yeah, that's a great question and a very astute observation. So I think that the research that you're referring to in 2020 um, was in the second annual report of the evaluation of CPC plus. Um, and it really focused on the qualitative, qualitative data collected. Um, so data from surveys and deep dive interviews with primary care practices and asking these practices, the clinicians there, you know, 
about continuity of care. In the second annual report, uh, practices tended to report that a high proportion of uh, their patients were impaneled. That is, you know, they had assigned patients to a practitioner care team um, to promote continuity of care. And many practices reported, you know, making strides in, in measuring and tracking continuity of care for those patients. In our study, uh, we're not focusing on qualitative data. Instead, we're looking at claims data, Medicare claims data, so that we can track, you know, the ambulatory visits and measure um, continuity care fragmentation for these patients in terms of who they're seeing inside the primary care practice, as well as outside to other practices, whether they be other primary care practices or specialists. Um, so, you know, PCPs, they may be less aware of other practitioners that their patients are seen outside of their practice. Just as a reminder, you know, Medicare fee-for-service bennies, um, they can pretty flexibly go see, you know, different providers in other practices um, without really much penalty. So what, So that's one big difference is, you know, re- measuring uh, continuity of care and fragmentation differently. And the other one is the empirical approach. So in the second annual report, um, you know, practices were asked about uh, what they're doing at their practice. Here, we're looking at CPC plus practices with these claims-based measures. And then we're also comparing it to these comparison practices, which, you know, are observably similar to CPC plus practices and looking at changes over time. The differences could be um, one takes, you know, our paper takes more of a quasi-experimental approach to really hone in on the impact of CPC plus and the other, um, you know, source of difference is just how we're measuring continuity of care. In terms of the future of CPC plus, so one thing to point out is that the valuation of CPC plus isn't over yet. Um, Our study looks at the first three program years of CPC plus. There are two more uh, years of the evaluation. So practices, you know, could very well still be learning. They could be taking time, you know, building steam to um, really implement um, some of the learning that they're doing on their own, perhaps for these, you know, financial incentives to kick in. Um, so I guess I would say, you know, there might still be hope for the last two program years for CPC+. But I think, you know, pivoting a bit, um, What's interesting about our findings is that I think it has implications for primary care redesign just more broadly. So like beyond CPC plus, you know, as I said before, our findings, we really found that specialists, visits to specialists played an important role in contributing to fragmentation for Medicare fee-for-service population. You know, for future primary care models, we might want to consider, you know, Um, incentivizing specialists who treat Medicare fee-for-service beneficiaries, um, you know, making sure that specialists are part of the plan for any primary care redesign. And the other thing is, you know, it's possible that we need more intensive, um, larger direct incentives to tie to continuity in care for primary care practices in terms of, you know, having resources to track where their beneficiaries are going Um, with data and the personnel to do this. So we may need a greater, you know, really investment and directly tie uh, incentive to primary care practices. 
the overall uh, societal investment in, in primary care relative to all other forms of care is much lower in the United States uh, than it is in other industrialized countries. So these primary care practices are st starting from a meaningfully under-resourced circumstance. Um, and for a variety of reasons, uh, CMS has had sort of limited flexibility for how much money it could shift into primary care in, in these models. It's therefore unlikely that uh, some of the heaviest lifts, which is really getting in there and managing those patients that are seeing lots of different specialists, either uh, seeing them because they have particularly complex uh, healthcare needs or seeing them because they're individuals who have a particular um, you know, uh, predisposition to, to seek care from a variety of different providers. Those most more challenging patient populations might be uh, particularly you know, challenging for under-resourced practices to, uh, to make um, big headway with. Of course, if more, as Lori said, if more resources could be put into these practices, with um, uh, clearer um, uh, rewards and mandates for addressing um, this problem of fragmentation in, in the subgroup of patients, uh, that might be beneficial. Or um, engaging with the specialists uh, themselves to coordinate more effectively with uh, the primary care clinicians. And there has been at least one specific model uh, that was proposed to um, the Physician-Focused Payment Model Technical Advisory uh, Commission, a commission that was established uh, uh, in part of the legislation to, um, to develop the quality uh, payment program under Medicare. This model was proposed by a combination of the American College of Physicians and the National Committee for Quality Assurance and this approach would actually uh, allow practices that were participating in Medicare models like CPC Plus to um, uh, create contracts with selected specialists with whom they um, work regularly on the care of their Medicare patients. And those specialists would, would receive their own uh, care management payments to um, support their communication and coordination with primary care. You know, it's basically uh, to move the needle, it may require either more substantial investments in primary care practices to address this issue or a combination of incentives for the primary care practices and the specialists with whom they regularly work. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having us. Yep, enjoyed it. For all of us at AJMC.com, thanks for listening. To learn more about this issue, visit AJMC.com or see the show notes. To get in touch with us, email info at AJMC.com or follow us on Twitter at AJMC underscore journal. And if you like the podcast, don't forget to subscribe and rate us.